Good afternoon, everyone. The Richmond City Council's budget work session will now come to order. Madam Clerk, if you would read the necessary electronic meeting announcement followed by the roll call. Yes, Madam President. Before we begin this afternoon's meeting, I must state the following for the record. This work session will be held through electronic communication means pursuant to and in compliance with Ordinance Number 2020-093, adopted April 9th of 2020, as most recently amended by Ordinance Number 2020-232, adopted December 14th of 2020. Notice of this work session was provided to the public by means of a public information advisory issued on Thursday, February 11th of 2021, as well as through Legistar on the city's website in accordance with our usual practice. There will be no opportunities for public comment and no public hearings during this session. And in order to identify each council member who is present electronically for this session, I will now call the roll. Mr. Addison. Ms. Jordan. Here. Ms. Lambert. Here. Ms. Larson. Ms. Lynch. Ms. Trammell. Ms. Trammell, I believe that you're muted. Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. Jones. Here. Present. Vice President Robertson. Here. And President Newbill. Here. And I'm sorry, Mr. Addison, I see that you are present. Present. Yes, sir. Thank you. And Madam President, all members are in attendance with the exception of Councilors um, Larson and Lynch. You do have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Thank you. Uh, at this point, Mr. Eckelberger, we will uh, turn it over to you to begin the discussion of the proposed budget amendments. Thank you. <clears throat> um, good afternoon. Let me share my screen. And I think you can now see the, the spreadsheet that's titled Council Draft Amendment Increases. I, can everybody see that? Yes, we have okay. it, Mr. Eckelberger. <clears throat> the first thing I'm going to do is just walk you through an orientation <clears throat> to let you know how this spreadsheet is, is set up. This is the main page, and it's the one we're going to be working with the most uh, for this session. And honestly, it's the one we're going to be using most for any of the sessions. Um, what I have done here is I have taken all of your amendments, and I haven't gone through where people had similar amendments and done co-patrons because we only had 30-some this year. So I've left everybody's amendments separately but I have grouped them together so that if an amendment addresses the same topic, they're showing up next to one another. Um, sometimes they're the same amount. Sometimes they're slightly different amounts. Uh, sometimes there's a partial um, one that, that funds part of another amendment that somebody put in that funds multiple things. Um, but they're grouped together. And this first group that is in the kind of light yellow are the council agency amendments. And I think probably the council agency heads have spoken to you, uh, most of you about these, at least I hope they have. Um, the next group you'll see highlighted in green are all of the compensation amendments. They're general employee compensation, the sworn police and fire compensation, uh, the four, the three amendments for the public defender's office, and then there's other compensation, uh, 
funding two thousand dollars. This this one actually is also embedded up here in these general employee amendments from Ms. Larson and Ms. Newbill, but it's not broken out separately, but it's in that number as well. Then we move on. The next block are three amendments that have to do with various funding scenarios for the Civilian Review Board. Then we have affordable housing in the orange, and these are the various amendments for affordable housing. Uh, well, affordable housing are the first four amendments that you see here. And then there's other housing. We've got two amendments that address, one addresses eviction and one addresses social services, homeless services. Then the rest of these are various amendments that address other city services that are not easily grouped with uh, other amendments. Mr. Uh, Eichelberg, real quick, yes. did you have you sent us a copy of this? Because I'm looking no. at a different document. No, you do not have this. Can you send this out to us real quick uh, or have Samson or someone that'd be helpful? Samson can send you a copy. If you could, thank you. Yeah, Samson will send you a copy. Um, now, these other city services, they're grouped together, but they don't really easily group into a unit. There's just a series of amendments that are independent, and so I've put them all together. Uh, the first one is a group that are others that are city services, and then there are other amendments that are just miscellaneous, and both of those are non-departmental amendments at the bottom. Now, those are the increase amendments and in how they're organized. Then we have a spreadsheet that's the decrease amendments, and I've grouped those in a similar way. The first group in green are the ones that are related to compensation. There are various things that people are proposing to cut that are compensation related. The next group, which is the largest group, they're in the light yellow, and they are various cuts to uh, department budgets, either at the program level, the service level, um, some are individual items of expenditure, a uh, couple in non-departmental that are proposing to cut something uh, in non-departmental, but those are all the budget cuts for the ongoing operations or to non-departmental. And then there are two amendments that propose to move cash, general fund cash from capital outlay over into the operating budget and spend it for operating purposes. The last sheet is revenues. And these two lines, the amendment was actually one line, but I've broken it out into its two component parts. The first is approximately uh, $3.4 million that would be derived from the city assessor's uh, revision to the assessment growth. Uh, the number that the city assessor gave to the budget office back at the end of February, early March, was for 6% growth. Partway through the budget review, I met with the assessor, and at that point, they thought that uh, they could raise that to 6.5% growth, which would have been $1.7 roughly. And... Uh, last week, the city assessor came back and said he had talked with his staff, and as many of you are aware, the uh, real estate market in Richmond is hot right now, and he suggested that that number could rise from the 6% that it was a month ago to 7% um, growth this year, and, and he makes a point to say that's conservative. The other number that you'll see here 
is related to one of the council agency amendments that we'll come back to shortly. Uh, the city assessor indicated that if he had one more position to walk around neighborhoods and find places where people are doing renovations on houses, but there's no building permit because Richmond is, is notorious for being difficult in the building department. And it's fairly common knowledge with the assessors folks that people don't always get permits, which is what they usually use to know that they need to reassess. So he wants somebody to just walk around neighborhoods and look and find out where there are places being built without the assessment, without the building permit, and then he'll do a reassessment on that property. And that's $90,000 for the position, but he generates 260000 So for a net increased revenue of one hundred and seventy. Now, the caveat for both of these numbers is that the charter says that the the administration has to certify that those numbers will be available, those funds will be available. That's usually a fairly straightforward process, but we have not gotten that certification yet. Um, I may come back to that at the end. Finally, there's this summary spreadsheet. Um, the summary spreadsheet, we, we really won't revisit um, unless somebody wants to come back and look at it, because the only thing it's doing is taking the totals from the other spreadsheets, putting them here, and telling you if your budget is balanced, and if it's not, it'll show you the the amount that you're over, and if it is in surplus, it'll tell you how much money you've got left. But the the version of this increased spreadsheet will tell you the same thing. Um, so we really don't, won't come back to that summary sheet uh, unless somebody just wants to see it. And let me pause here and see if anybody's got any questions about how this is organized. Councilwoman Lambert. Yes, thank you, Madam President. Um, Mr. Ackleberger, um, I have a question about the proposed um, position of the revenues of the assessor. Yeah. Um, he's proposing a person to walk around neighborhoods um, to pick out um, possible constructions without building permits. Does this address um, the lack of um, inspectors in our, I guess, um, code enforcement office? No, um, it's, it's not. It's not for the purpose of code enforcement, although if he finds somebody he can let the code enforcement people know that he's found somebody doing work without a building permit. This is specifically for the assessor to go out and identify places that he would not otherwise have known that that um, the increases were going to be there. And he thinks there's enough of this that it will generate two hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Um, I just want us to be able to offset um, making sure that office is processing these permits in a timely fashion, which they aren't. So what can we do to improve that process before we um, bring someone on to start looking for someone who can't complete the process? Um, it just is. I just like there, um, the explanation on that or just try to answer. OK, those are two entirely separate issues. OK. Um, I'm trying to look and see uh, down here in the pink area. If you look at what's called line two, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Addison has an amendment for $350,000 uh, funding for consultant services and staff time. No, that's not, that's not the one I was looking for. Mm -hmm. 
there's one amendment in here somewhere that would give money to the um I saw that to the permit office or um, yeah yes there's an amendment in here that would do some something and I've got to go back and find it um We'll come back to it. I can't find it right at the moment, but somebody yeah. put it in. We will minute. definitely make note of that item, um, Councilwoman Lambert. Councilwoman, yeah. go okay. on. Were you done, Councilwoman Lambert? Sorry. Yeah, I just, um, you know, just trying to understand if it's a process um, for that. Um, just how, what does that look like? Um, you know, and, and okay. this person walking around neighborhoods, I just kind of want to understand what that role will entail opposed to other issues that we have in the permit process. That's the well, thing. that's what assessors do. Yeah. Uh, they go out and look at property for the purpose of assessing the value. That is a completely separate job from the building code enforcement people who go out to make sure that buildings are being maintained or that buildings are being built or renovated in compliance with the building code. Mm -hmm. They're they're completely separate issues. If if you were to get more people in the building office, that would be a good thing. But mm -hmm. it will not generate more money. You'll spend more money. Mm -hmm. it, okay. it, the the issue here that was raised with us was if you give one new position to the assessor's office, you can get for ninety thousand dollars spent, you can get two hundred and sixty thousand in revenues, which helps council then pay for budget amendments. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, for, for want of a better explanation, if you fund that, you get $170,000 to spend on other things. If mm -hmm. you don't fund that, you don't get the 170000 to spend on other things. Yeah, same with the funding for a position of the Inspector General's office as well. Is that the same? Well, the Inspector General is a slightly different thing what the inspector general's um, position in the um, would, would be to do some work on the city's procurement. Mm -hmm. And that might identify inefficiencies in procurement that would save you money down the road. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily going to going to generate any revenue that you could spend in this budget. OK, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that clarification. You're welcome. Thank you. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you, Madam President. I also had some concerns about that, too because we do not have enough code enforcement officers over here in Southside. And I know that I can give you at least 20 people that, um, that have, you know, did these um, adding on to their properties, garages and all that with no building permits, one right here in my neighborhood. Thank God we've seen it. We called code enforcement officer. He came right over there, I guess, with the inspectors and they stopped him after he didn't already laid out the whole foundation around the back and there's gas line pipes or gas line in the backyard that's I think they were done illegal but thank God he didn't hit any of them but the um, the code enforcement officer stopped him from doing any more work um, because he doesn't have any permits for any of that for electrical plumbing to add on and it's just not even it's not just in my neighborhood it's been in Cherry Gardens it's been all over the district and that's just the eighth district and if somebody's going to be walking around, how is she, he or she not going to fear for the animals or the dogs that run loose and somebody thinking that they're trespassing on their property? Um, you know, they're not going to know who that person is. To right. me, I would like to, and I've talked about this for, I know, 18 years, about we don't have enough code enforcement officers. 
we get them and then we lose them or they they it's kind of like they're not that important but they are important you know to the community and to the neighborhoods when they call them and ask them to please come out but there's not one available i think there's only two at Southside, and there's five council members over here or two at second precinct yeah so councilwoman trammell if, Let's make sure we put that on this list before we get to the conclusion as one of the items to look at, as well as uh, the item raised by Councilwoman Lambert in terms of permitting. So that we'll come back to that, um, uh, those items. They, Mr. Eckelberger? Madam President, I found the amendment. It's highlighted right now on your screen. Uh, it's identified in the pink area, number five, by Councilmember Jordan. Planning and development review, funding for 12.5% 12.5 frozen FTEs in FY22 at a million dollars. So those are those are positions in planning and development review. Some of some of which could be used for building inspections. So there is an amendment in that would help address the issues that that Ms. Lambert and Ms. Tramble are raising. Um, they are separate from the assessor. But there is right. an amendment that someone put in to try to address that. Okay. So just wanted to bring that. Now that I found it, I wanted to point it out. Okay, thank you. Councilwoman Trammell. Thank you, Madam President. I was just trying to say, look at all the money that we could find and, and you know, that we're missing out on because once these buildings are done, like taking garages and, and building them into a home, per se, like what they did on in Cherry Gardens, look at the money that we missed out on, and then what do we do? We're not making them tear it down and... and I don't know what's happening. I know that okay. the, the community is still upset about it. All I'm thinking about is the money that this would generate to bring in to the city of Richmond. And not only that, it's a liability. It's a public safety issue. If they're putting these buildings up or adding on to these homes and they don't have the permits for electrical, for plumbing, catch on fire, and then what happens? That, that's what that's, I, that's, I've been talking about. Thank I you, understand. Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. Uh, Councilman Addison, Councilwoman Robertson, and then I believe I, Mr. Saunders had his hand up. Shit. Is that me? Yes, Councilman Addison. Thank you. So I understand the uh, topic for the additional assess assessor kind of staff looking around. I have, have concerns because the whole reason people aren't doing this is because our permitting process is broken. It's not a staffing issue. It is a design issue. It is how the process works. I'm going through it right now. It is incredibly infuriating doing a simple building permit and trying to do all the things right. And I'm months into a simple review and I'm still chasing down an answer, chasing back a response. And I, the same building that I'm doing could be done in Henrico for in two weeks. And so the problem is not staff. We can't keep staff. Our staff turns over in that department more often than we can. It's not about money. It's not about the pay. It's because the job is miserable. It's not coordinated and there's pieces we need to fix around our permitting process, period. And so I understand the need for putting more staff and work here. We need to really truly change and transform how we do our permitting process, inspections, everything else, because that to me is the problem, is that from for the past 15 years, our process of this has been always attacked by those trying to do it the right way. And so it's the point where people go around it. And so my concern about this assessor position is not that it's going to add value, but my problem is that is it going to create fines, fees, further anger and frustration? Because the only reason why these things are happening to this magnitude is because of our own fault, 
because we don't make it possible for people to do work the right way. I'm sitting so, waiting to do a project, mm -hmm. and that's the problem is that in the timeline of me doing what I'm asked to, asked to do legally is three months of a lag time. It's not staffing. It's a process. It's how the process works or, in this case, in my opinion, doesn't. And I think that's what we need to invest in is how do we fix the process? It's not more people. I think the staffing in other counties that we look to as peers don't have the staffing that we're trying to staff up to. The problem is, in my opinion, is how do we make this be a simple, streamlined approach? And so I've advocated and I'm working on bringing forward before council a solution to invest in this with the American Rescue Plan funds to really transform how we do this in a digital, non-contact way. But more importantly, that keeps up with top cities around the country and is doing what's the best practice. And so for me, I hear this point, but I'm concerned about chasing after people that we created the problem for. The reason why okay. they're doing these 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 aspects of not going through the permitting process is because it's a nightmare. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Uh, Councilwoman Robertson. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I I I I feel very strongly that Ms. Lambert's comments are appropriate, and I do think that they are. Related. I don't think they're not related. Um, and I do feel very strongly that what needs to be fixed is uh, making sure that everybody that does work in the city of Richmond have a permit as they need a permit to make that happen. Um, I appreciate Mr. Addison's comments as it relates to, and I, so I, I, I think, you know, having, uh, someone out of the assessor's office who's, who, to me, this feels like pressure that the assessor gets all the time from both council and the administration to increase the land book values at budget time, which is very inappropriate and needs to be done differently, and we need to honor and respect what the assessor has been asking us to do for a long period of time. Um, that's a major problem as it relates to how we do our revenue projections based on the land book values and the dishonoring what the assessor has asked us to correct for some time. Uh, we need to take care of that, and we need to do that before another budget is passed. The because the, because this uh, pressure at the last minute to change your uh, values, uh, uh, your land book values for the purpose of increasing revenue cannot be uh, put on the back of the assessor at the last minute to try to get budget where we want it to be. Um, and so this this walk around um, at ninety thousand dollars to generate. 270,000, um, I think is, 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 is likely to create as many headaches and more problem than it will the value of the money that, um, that the, that the assessor is saying, you know, don't pressure me for more value unless I have a way of justifying why I'm doing it. And, and, and so we need to talk about the real issue here. And that is part of the real issue. The other part of the real issue is what, Mr. Addison has mentioned, and that is uh, we have invested over and over again. 
we've remodeled, we've bought software, we've uh, made promises to the industry that if we increase fees, we're going to fix this. And we're still having the same issues. And I don't think it's the duty and the responsibility of us as legislators to put in standard operating procedures for any of our departments of City Hall. I think that's what we pay the administration to get done. And I think that that's what they should be doing and, and doing it in a way that satisfies the needs of their clients, their business developers that come to our city to get permits and stuff that we require of them, um, that we need to fix that. And whatever that problem is, uh, I think we can legislate it. But unless it's standard operating procedures that the department is equipped and ready to carry out, and whatever those needs are, we need to speak to those and make sure that Ms. Trammell is correct. We don't want to be running around finding out who's done something illegal and, and increasing our land book value as a result of it. We want to do this stuff right from the beginning uh, because we do not want those kinds of casualties or people feeling that they uh, are forced to violate our own policies and procedures because we're not able to present them with the support system that we need a fraud. So um, yes. they are related. They are related. And we need not we need to recognize that what we are dealing with is the consequences of other things not being done. And we're, we're trying to address it from the back door. And that's not the way that we need to do this. Thank you, Councilwoman Robertson. And I'm going to uh, go to Councilwoman Jordan, uh, Mr. Saunders, and then because in these, as Mr. Eckelberger goes through the list, those items that you've referenced, if we want to take those out towards the end, we can. If we want to make, you know, whatever other changes, then we would have those discussions. So he's made note of those things. We have code enforcement permitting and uh, so far. And certainly then the overall discussion that you and Mr. Addison has, you know, have raised in terms of just our processes uh, within these uh, particular departments. So, Councilwoman Jordan, um, I'm going to go to you. And then uh, Mr. Saunders, I'll see your hand. And then Mr. Eckelberger, I'm going to ask you to walk us through uh, these categories. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, I wanted to speak to my amendment on the planning positions and just put back, push back to my um, colleague. While some of this may be a process issue, there's just no question it's also a people issue. And it'd be great to have a more streamlined online you know, portal where you can upload your plans, but there's still a person that's going to have to review that plan. And these positions have been frozen every single year. It's election year. We hear the same you know, gripes and complaints and the same promises so I think let's take this opportunity. There's a new acting director of the planning department. These are positions that were requested by the department. They know what it will take to run their unit. And they were frozen um, because the times were in. I suggested, you know, removing money from fleet. When my budget is tight, I don't go buy a new car. Um, I think there are some creative ways we can look at our fleet issues and I would rather put money into the people that are going to be able to respond to requests. Um, we've got Richmond 300. 
to implement. That takes people going out to the community and having meetings. We've got rezonings to do. That is a people-oriented thing. It's not an online portal. Um, so while I agree and you know would support looking at what processes we can improve, um, equally, I think we have got to staff this department where Richmond's growing, and we can either keep missing out on funds as people just go around the system because it's 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 too difficult and understaffed, or we can staff up appropriately, have a more well-managed process, and bring in more revenue. Um, I, I, for me, I feel passionately about it. This is the only one I put in, and um, I'm happy to speak to it more after we get through the rest of the presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, Mr. Addison, is there an add-on? Because I do want to move us forward. You're muted, Ms. Addison. The last thing to add to that point, and Catherine and I talked about this, and I agree that staff is needed. I just think that we need to also evaluate staff turnover and vacancy of that position as on top of adding more positions to something that we can't seem to be able to retain and attract people to fill those positions currently. There's, a, I think, a, a connection of both of those things together. Is the staff correct? Are we able to keep up with our staffing as it currently is funded? And is 11 positions going to actually be only five filled because of how the current metrics show that we're turning over staff and have vacancies that currently are having to be replaced once we train somebody? I'm just trying to look at the economics about how the office works as well as this proposal. And that's one of my concerns. Thank you. And we'll come back to further discussion. And it's clear we're talking people in process. And so we'll come back to both of those as we go through the section. Mr. Saunders, did you have a quick question or comment? Madam President, i be honest, the conversations evolved since I raised my hand originally, but I do think that there are important pieces that we do need to respond to. Uh, the first is that uh, we are as a team, and I'm, I, I'm going to address it head on. I understand the comments and considerations that this has been promised, expected, et cetera. Um, but I do also, for, for many years, then that the, the challenges we have in, in plan review, permitting, et cetera, are not insignificant. Uh, but there is a, a, a team of city leaders that have been working diligently on updated SOPs, processes, and procedures. Um, we are at the phase now where we are engaging with the private sector, um, with, with key stakeholders and, um, and others to help review, refine, and finalize those SOPs. Um, progress is, is, is being made. Last year was, uh, incredibly challenging with um, where we've made progress in some areas, but um, the shift to online submissions and the, the OneDrive system has has caused other challenges as we move to a, a, a purely virtual ex space. Um, I will kick it over to the DCAO, Sharon Ebert, to maybe speak briefly to some some updates for you all on that. Um, but but when we do get down to the budget amendments about positions, et cetera, um, we'll definitely want to, to comment more. On this, the issue of the um, proposed uh, FTE in the auditor's office, the question I would have perhaps for the auditor is whether um, technology, satellite imagery is, is something that's been considered as an alternative to a, a boots on the ground um, approach. Uh, I will just share that this was this was one item that I, I had heard many times from um, Miss Lenore Reed, when she was um, both DCO and acting CAO, about being an opportunity she saw for the city to look at um, using technology to see where 
um, to, to map alterations from what's been submitted as, as approved permits. So thank you, um, Mr. Stone. Yes. Thank you. Can I have Ms. Ebert thank respond you, briefly? And um, she's Madam President, before she responds, yes. I just wanted to find out, did um, Mr. Saunders have a timeline on those SOPs being finalized? Let me, I, I would, Ms. Lambert, I would let Ms. Ebert speak to that. Okay. Miss okay. Um, Ebert, if you could briefly, please. Certainly. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Council President Newbill and esteemed Council Members. Um, uh, ACAO uh, Saunders is correct. Our, our management team um, has been working across departments to uh, review our permit and planning uh, process. They have made a number of recommendations in terms of how we can make it easier for our customers um, to have a seamless um, presentation on our websites. I do want to say that um, our OneDrive um, submission is different than our InterGov portal. Um, most of the um, residential and building and trade permits go through um our, our InterGov portal, and that is quite easy to grab the applications and um, assign them to staff. Our OneDrive, which is now backed up by several weeks, is where all of our commercial and trade permits come through. We are working diligently with uh, Tyler, uh, which is the company that um, implements InterGov, to make sure that we can service all of our building and trade permits, our commercial ones, through the one portal, and we're hoping to get that up and running. It's in test right now with a number of outside companies um, on or before June 30th, and that will streamline our process considerably. The other portion is definitely staffing. Um, of the 12 and a half frozen positions in PDR, I believe there's about um, five that are in permitting, a couple uh, in um, in code enforcement, and then five, I believe, that are in um, planning. We need those positions. Um, we get um, hundreds of more permit applications on a monthly basis than in RICO or Chesterfield, and I don't think it's fair to continue to uh, compare us to our counties um, because we simply do a lot more work. Um, but I will answer any other questions that you may have. Thank you, uh, Ms. Ebert. Ms. Lambert, and then I do want to uh, move forward if there are no questions. Councilwoman yes. Lambert. Yes, um, Ms. Ebert, so is that three months? Um, when is those SOPs will be finalized? You said June 30th. Was that the... Um, the June 30th date is for hoping to be able to do online um, commercial building and trades through the InterGov portal. Okay. Um, the SOPs are in draft now, and we do have a deadline to get them also in place by the 1st of July. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Eckelberger, if you will uh, proceed with review. Happy to. Um, it, it had not been my intention to spur such a detailed conversation about the building permit process, um, but it went where it went. What my, my intent was, was to let you know that what, what I would propose is that we do a process similar to what I would have done with the Senate Finance Committee, and that is that I walk through a scenario that allows you to fund pretty much everything you've got amendments in to fund, but I need to get through the scenario before 
we really get into any in-depth conversation. Once I'm finished, you can start moving money around, um, having different amounts for different things if you want. But what I would propose is that I get through the scenario and then we go back and discuss any places we might want to change. And I hope that's an acceptable process for folks. It's a little bit different okay. than what we've done, but what it might do is eliminate the need to talk in depth about amendments that you have the money to fund uh, and also in-depth discussion of some cuts that you really probably don't need to, to do. So that said, if there are no objections, I will start going through the, the scenario. Um, the first thing is it's normal on the during the council's budget review process in the current environment, whether it's the best practice or not, the norm is that the, the city assessor provides an updated analysis of the market movement he thinks will occur. He is not trying to target a budget number. He is looking at the market, which right now is pretty hot in, in residential real estate, and he is saying that the growth he thought in the end of the month or a month ago would be 6%, he now thinks is gonna be seven. So following the normal practice, what I'm gonna suggest is that we assume that he is correct and that you will get certification for the monies from the increased assessments estimates. For the moment, I'm going to assume that because council has done it before that for whatever methodology the assessor uses, if he has another position, he can improve your assessment performance by 260,000. So I'm gonna assume that we do that. And if you wanna come back later and say, no, I don't wanna do that, that's fine. But let's assume for the moment that we do that. That's $3,660,000 for council to spend on its budget priorities. So let me come over here and what you can see is that with that money. Mr. Eckelberger, yes, before you go, I believe there was a question on that page. Mr. Addison, is that correct? Yes, I just have a quick question. Is this going to be spot improvements in assessed value or is it a general overall increase in assessed values? Because I'm just concerned about the market being so hot in certain properties or certain neighborhoods creating a change and potentially gentrification of those who might be barely able to hold on to their home currently and now we're increasing the assessed value because someone bought a home in the close proximity that's now going to jack up their price or value yes sir this is just a general um increase in what the trend in his assessments might be um, he actually thinks it's more more than this, but he's trying to be conservative. Uh, the 3.4 million, it's approximately 3.4. The actual number he gives is a little bit higher than that. But it's the number that he would have given the administration in uh, the end of their budget process for incorporation in your revenue estimates had he had the same market data available to him at that time. It's just more recent market data. That's all. It's and it's not spot. It's not spot. He doesn't say I think Windsor Farms is going to do this. This is the general trend in the marketplace is up 
He thought it would be up by six. He now says it's going to be up by seven. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Mr. Eckerberger. If you can now go back. Now, again, I want to walk you through the scenario. That $3.6 million allows you to fund all of your budget amendments for council agencies, including the $300,000 for the auditor's study. It allows you to get started on the alternative pay plan. And I got to come back and talk about that in a minute. But before I do, let me go over here to the decreases because we're now getting into compensation, which was one of the key things that council wanted to address. So if I go up here, if you're going to do compensation in a different way, the first thing you have to do to evaluate the cost is say, I've got $5.8 million in the budget already. So let's take that out because we're not doing the original proposal. So we take that out. I'm now working with $9.5 million. What that would allow you to do is fund everything under this scenario, which was the 5% plus a little bit for um, the uh, Gallagher study. But what it will allow you to do, if I insert a couple lines, again, bear with me. If instead of doing this, we do this, the first amount is for the 3.25% structure adjustment, which you heard a presentation on the other day. It's not the 5% that some council members discussed, and we can come back to this in a few minutes, but that costs you on October 9th of 2021, $3,465,000. And I think that's, nope, I need to add some more zeros. That's a couple more zeros that I needed. Hold on one more second. There we are. That That is the 3.25%. Mr. Eckelberger? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, the items in the yellow highlighted section, what are you coming back to those or? Once I go through the scenario, we can come back to all of okay. this Thank you. in detail. But I'm trying to show right now that there is a scenario where you can find something for every amendment every council member put in. But I need to get through the scenario to show everybody how you do that. Okay, thank you. So that's the 3.25% right there. The next one is the further implementation of the Gallagher study. So let me just call that pay plan. And the pay plan increase, eh, didn't like mine, just calling it pay plan, call it pay plan. The pay plan increase is gonna cost you this amount. That's the 
estimated cost of the pay plan on October 9th of 2021. You can see that you've got enough money now that you can go down and you can actually start funding some stuff in the other parts of compensation. You can fund the pay plan for and, and a study that the police and fire have been proposing to folks beginning October 9th. That's a million nine hundred and seven thousand. Why is it not the four point two five million? It's because you've already got two point five million in the introduced budget. So this is how much you need on top of that. And it gives one hundred thousand dollars to do a study of the police and fire pay plan uh, to make sure that everything is in line before implementation would actually start. And it gives you enough money to do something for public defenders, but let's not do the million. Let's not do this million. Let's do the 1,144,938, which at least appears to be a number that somebody actually calculated rather than around million dollars. So you've got enough money to fund that and $2,000 for the study, the actuarial studies uh, of uh, the VRS, and it gets you started on funding for the Civilian Review Board. But you only have $76,000 after these two actions. That's all. The revenue action and the money you've got in the pay plan. So let's go back over here to the decreases. There's a whole host of decreases that are going at specific programs, and some of them are, are ones that, honestly, they're layering a decrease on top of a decrease. So I'm going to skip over those for the moment. And I'm going to get down here to a concept that I know some of you have discussed. And that is that your charitable contributions are purely optional. And the concept is that you should be doing charitable contributions with the money you have after you've met all of your high priority needs. And if you were to take uh, your charitable contributions and reduce them by 10%, don't get into, I, I want one of them to stay, I want one of them to be reduced by 50%, I want one of them to be reduced by 89% instead of 10. If you're fair to everybody and you say, I'm going to reduce all my charitable contributions by 10%, that gives you $1,238,000. So now let's go back over to the increases. And now you're working with 10.7 million. And what that allows you to do is fund the civilian review board and it's right now the, the spreadsheet's trying to fund all three amendments to the civilian review board. You don't need to, but let's assume that you don't want to do the high one. Let's assume you don't want to do the low one. Um, let's assume you want to do the middle number, the 250,000. Now I'm going to skip affordable housing for a minute. I'm going to put that down here. I'll come back to it. And then I'm going to come back to these. And it allows you to fund all of these things in the other services. Except this 
photo speed equipment. Bill, isn't that a tad bit disingenuous, though? I mean, because, what? again, you're just presupposing that those are the ones that we're going to go with versus, you know what? Hey, we have funds there for affordable housing trust fund. Let's look at the numbers on that and how to get at that as you're doing it. I know, and again, I know what you're, what it appears that you're doing is going after the low hanging fruit. Hey, not so large numbers, but again, you know, I, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to follow you here and I know you're going somewhere, but what, you know. Well, let's 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 give him the opportunity to go through, and we are affordable housing clearly is a priority for us, and so we will definitely be coming back to that, Mr. Jones. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm just you know I just kind of know how some of these processes work that will call out certain ones, and those will be the ones that we end up sticking with. No, affordable housing is definitely a category that we will revisit. So that's not uh, an option in terms of not revisiting. Uh, Councilwoman Lambert, did you have a question at this time? Yeah, more of a, um, a, a, a observation. Um, is there a way that we can put um, what we all came up together during our council retreat in terms of our priorities for the city? Um, can we have those um, visible? As we go through these programs, um, I just think that we all need to go back to where we all came together in the beginning of this year before this process. Um, this just is my observation, just so as a new council member, you know, that will kind of help me with all of this as well. Um, Councilwoman Lambert, we can certainly pull those up. I we don't have them right before us. No, that's but we fine. Certainly, I just wanted to yes, but, my colleagues, like, let's just. Yeah, they pretty on. much overlap. But uh, to your point, we can definitely pull those and ensure that. I mean, I don't think there's anything that falls outside, but it bears uh, review as you have uh, 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 suggesting. Right. Thank you. Now. Again, this is a scenario that we can go back and adjust. So anything that's on this list that you want to go back and change can go back and change. Um, right up until the time where we have to give this to the city attorney to turn it into the legal documents that will form your adopted budget. Uh, as far as this, the council priorities from last fall, I don't recall that I was involved in that. I haven't seen them. I haven't looked at them. The first time I've heard about trying to incorporate them into your budget amendments is this moment. So if certainly if we had an infinite Madam amount of time, Chair, I could do that. Mr. Eichel, okay. Madam, we could just get through the scenario. Yeah, and we'll go through this, and that's what I'm saying. We will come back and overlay this. Now. Thank you, Councilwoman Robertson and Councilwoman Lambert. We will do the overlay. You've got almost enough money to do everything you wanted, but what's tying up a lot of money at this point is this police and fire plan. There's 2.5 million in your budget to pay for their step increases, which is what they've had for years. And this year there's two steps instead of one. But if you want to try to go to replace that with something new, You've got to vet that plan. It has not been vetted by anybody. It has been developed by police and fire. But the administration got it late. They have not had a chance to look at it. We got it late. We have not had a chance to look at it. I can't tell you 
who it helps, who it hurts, how much money it gives to whom. I can't tell you what problems it solves. I can't tell you what problems it creates. I cannot tell you right now. If instead of doing that on October 9th, like you're doing everything else, you say, look, I want, I hear you. I want to do what you folks are suggesting we do, which is reform the police and fire pay plan. I just can't get it done right away. So let me go and take that money that they said it would cost. Well, they actually say a different number than this, but $12 million, if that's the, if that's the cost of this whole thing, they said you could phase it in half this year, half next. That's $6 million. And then <clears throat> there's, um, so that's $6 million. But if you do it on January 1st, it only costs three in FY22. And you've got $2.5 million. So that's not a million nine oh seven. That's equal to, well, daggone. That's equal to that number right there. But let me not do that because it didn't like what I was doing. Let me do it this way. If I paste that number in there, and then I've got to add the 100,000 for the study. So it costs you 600,000 to do that. And then what it shows you is I've done the civilian review board. I've done all of these things and I've got some money left over and I can come back up here and I can put that money somewhere here in housing. Now, this is the point where there's no other money that's even remotely easy. Any other money that you would get is cutting something that is going to have a meaningful impact on that department. Keep in mind, all of those cuts that are cutting the increase from What's the sum money for housing? Most, you said you could put some of this money for housing. What's the sum? It's we have here. It's what's left over at the bottom, 134000 It gives you everything you want except that. But that's on top of what's in there, and it doesn't preclude any other amendments to have that number be larger. So, Mr. Eichelberger, can you go back to the top? Because there are multiple entries for some of the same items in the yellow set of blocks, for example. Are those, have you considered those? Yeah. Um, so, for example, city council agencies. I have an amendment in. There are others who have uh, an auditor position in. And so there's some duplication within those, which would increase the balance of funding. Uh, that well, that's already taken into account. The one that overlapped was this first one, Ms. Larson's amendment for the auditor's position. That so you is took also the included in the 281000 Okay, so that's already out of the great box. That correct? Yeah, okay. two hundred eighty-one thousand includes sixty-six thousand for the vacant uh, boards and commissions position in the city clerk's office, ninety thousand dollars for the audit position that's vacant. That he was on the verge of 
making an offer uh, and he needs that audit position. There's the 90,000 for the assessor's position that we talked about, but that pays for itself. And then there is 35,000 for a part-time uh, position here in the chief of staff's office to take on the HR liaison functions. Those have been done for the last year or so by the city HR department and They've been asked, they've, they've asked us to take that function back and you can do that with a half-time position, not a full-time position. So that number includes 35,000 for the half-time position to take back the HR function. That 281,000 would have overlapped with the 90, but you see I'm suggesting you put nothing for the 90 and put the 281. Right, I see it there. You could do okay. some portion of that. You don't have to do um, all of those. Um, no, I wasn't asking for, I, I'm sorry, I wasn't asking for that point. I just wanted to make sure we had taken the duplicates out. Um, the duplicates and, and I, are, yes, the duplicates okay. are taken out. And then I have a question relative to item number four. Don't we have in the city council budget already funding for the lobbyist? You have the funding for the lobbyist. What I understand from talking to Joyce Davis, who might be able to provide some additional information, <clears throat> this is a suggestion to expand your lobbying activities to include uh, Washington. Okay. Mr. Addison, I see your hand up relative. This was your. Mr. Addison. Yes, that's my amendment. I'd like to um, actually see if we could uh, strike that as that conversations with a couple other council members as well as the administration. And I think we should um, definitely look at our legislative and lobbying efforts as a whole. But more importantly, I think we need to work on our current operations and see how we can understand better the lay of the land of what we do currently legislatively. I think internally, externally with General Assembly and then see how we can add more information around what we need to do federally um, with our delegates and uh, our, our senators and congresspeople around our representation and more understanding of what we can do to make sure that all of us are aligned with exactly what's happening rather than waiting for information to coming from our from them we're able to tell them more what we want to see done and i think that needs to be done in a more constructive manner rather than just in the budget itself and so I'm not sure that that's going to be the best path forward for all of us. And I've talked with the administration around some of these conversations. So we need to, I think, look at what we can do for current funding of 75K with our current contract and extend it for the next year. And in the meantime, work through maybe a GovOps or other conversation around what we want to see for lobbying and have a conversation with the administration in more depth. Thank you, Mr. Addison. Mr. Eckelberger. Well, after after that conversation with the patron <clears throat> what I would suggest is that that goes to zero and that leaves us in this particular group the $300,000 to pay for city auditor's office to conduct a fiscal review of all city of Richmond departments including public schools and the only question I would like council to discuss there is whether or not the auditor in fact can do an audit of the schools, which is an independent political subdivision. So I, I leave that to you folks at the policy level to discuss. I'm not sure. Mr. Brown, are you on and able to respond at this time to that? Well, that or is that something else? 
That's that's Mr. Addison's amendment. No, no, no. What you were asking, could we do the schools? That was the other. Well, that part. would be the auditor. Oh, could that you, when you say Legally. Mr. Brown, you meant Haskell Brown. That's correct. OK, I'm sorry. And yes, ma'am. I've just been unmuzzled. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, the city does have the ability to audit uh, aspects of the school system that it funds. Uh, there are some limitations on that audit. It's, it's not the same as, for example, auditing the Department of Public Works, uh, okay. which is a city agency. Uh, but uh, as long as the audit does not interfere with the day-to-day -day operations of the school system, uh, the, the auditor should be able uh, legally to to conduct that audit. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Councilwoman Larson. Um, thank you, Dr. Newbell. I guess I'd like to hear more from Councilmember Addison about that amendment, um, because when I was on the school board, we did ask um, the city auditor to do an audit of the school system. I don't know if maybe too much time has passed and those audit findings can't be used anymore. Um, and so I'm just wondering uh, what the what the goal is um, with that. And I thought there was some analysis done. Um, maybe it wasn't a specific audit, but when the, the mayor came on, in 2017 departmental analysis of resources and efficiencies and whatnot. So, okay, I'm not sure if there is uh, information sufficient to respond to that at this time, Ms. Larson, but we can certainly um, check with the appropriate entities and at our meeting next week, bring that back. Okay, so I mean, I'm sorry, um, Ms. Addison, did you have um, information relative to uh, Ms. Larson's query? I have a brief kind of introduction. I can provide more further when we have our next conversation around this, but um, this was a kind of a conversation around looking at the, I guess, some other previous studies that have already been done, comparison with peer localities and other operational comparison budgets to see how we are currently operating. The, the APA is a good example of what that would be. Looking at kind of existing kind of um, lay of current standing with uh, audits that have been done current and past, um, but also kind of have a whole RFP uh, drafted from Mr. Um, Lasseter around what these were looking to kind of include and incorporate. And I can share that later and also potentially ask him to speak to it too. Ms. Councilwoman Larson? That would be great. Okay. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in it, but I just want to make sure we're not duplicating efforts of information from before. But if it's enhancing what we already have, then I'm open to it. Okay, Happy you. to discuss further. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Eckelberger? So for the moment, I'll just leave the 300,000 because it appears to me that council is open to doing the, the audit. And I would assume the $300,000 number came from a discussion with the city auditor as to approximately how much it would cost, but I don't have any basis to judge whether that number is high or low. I just assume the auditor knows the auditing business. 
we've already discussed the compensation issues with the the 3.25 plus the pay the, the pay plan and the police and fire. So now we can go back and talk about the salary supplements for the public defender's office. Again, well, we have just, two just amendments. Quick, Madam President. Mr. Mr. Yes. I'm sorry, and, I had a question. I'm sorry. I'll so, come to Mr. Jones. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Mr. Jones. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to make sure I'm following along here. Are we saying that we're moving forward on police and fire, or have we gotten consensus on that, or what are we saying? I'm not I'm not asking for consensus at the moment. I'm okay. trying That's to all. get you through a scenario where you you've got a balanced budget that's addressing as many of your needs as can be within the money available in some fashion. Once we get to a scenario that appears to work, we can come back and fine tune these things. And at that point, yes, you would you would ask for consensus on on moving forward with these changes to the operating budget. And, and, and I'm I'm going to say just again, Madam President. I, yes. And, and again, I'm just going to, you know, it's, I'm, I'm <laughs> broken record, but affordable housing. I'd love to go in and deal with the five point nine or the four million and then move to some of these other areas. And I'm just trying to understand our rationale of what we're choosing to move through first in a way of prioritization. OK, well, let, let me try to address that, Madam yes. President. Mm -hmm. With affordable housing, it could use up every dime you've got and you would be able to do nothing else. There's already 2.9 million in the introduced budget, so you're trying to go above. And I understand the whole thing about not feeling that the commitment was was uh, lived up to, but there is not 2.9 million, and we're going to try to add money on top of that. And then the thing I really want to encourage people to keep in mind is that even though the American Rescue Plan funds are not before you today, they will be coming. And they will be coming in the $150 million range, at which point affordable housing is one of the things those monies are intended to address. So there is going to be an opportunity in the not very distant future to do everything you guys want to do for affordable housing and, and, and related, related issues. The, the, American Rescue Plan Act, though, will not allow you to use that money for certain things that are just basic city services that that you've always done. So without having seen the rules, I don't know the answers to those questions. But I do know the basic thrust of it is to do stuff about this. And then on top of that, you're probably going to have a federal in infrastructure bill before FY22 is over. That's $1.9 trillion in the president's proposal. So I'm just suggesting that there are some things that you can concentrate your money on right now. Then there are others that you can come back to once you get the ARP money and revisit, because that's the source for some money to really make a dent in some of these issues. I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you for the moment. So okay. Councilwoman Trammell and then Councilwoman Trammell. Madam President, thank you. And then Councilwoman uh, Robertson. Okay, did you Councilwoman Trammell? Yes. Thank you, Madam President. I wanted to just say that that's why that I think is so important right now to give to the police and fire because we don't need to lose any more of these officers and, and 
or the, the firefighters. And if we can, I mean, I know that this $150 million is coming to us and that can go for the affordable housing, but maybe that money cannot go um, to keep our police officers and our firefighters. So to me, this should be like the number one thing because if you don't have police and fire, you know, if you don't have public safety in the city of Richmond, people are not going to come here and they're not going to stay here, especially with the housing market market being so hot right now that every time they put a house on the market, it's gone within two days. Um, so, like I said, we need to do something to keep our, our the men and women in our police department and also our firefighters. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Councilwoman Trammell. Councilwoman Robertson. All right, I want to weigh in on this. Um, <clears throat> you know, affordable housing has been that line item on my budget since I came on city council, and I'm glad to see the collective support for it. I think it would be helpful when we start talking about the uh, ARP and the potential for opportunities for housing funding. Uh, Madam Chair, to have our staff to give us some review and refresh our memory of how much money we have already received uh, due to COVID and money that have come in specifically as it relates to that, that has been used to provide housing uh, and, and what percentage of those funds have been used to, to address housing-related concerns, not only uh, funds that we put in the affordable housing trust funds, funds we put in the eviction, funds we put in other uh, specifically to deal with housing. So I think that that would help us to appreciate the potential opportunity that is at our doorstep, though not known right now, but history over the last 12 months have shown us where, how those funds have been able to be used to address housing needs. Absolutely, Councilwoman Robertson, and we have some baseline information, but not the specificity relative to ARP, but that that we do have can certainly be shared. And then as you're asking for what we have invested thus far is something we'll ask to be prepared. Councilwoman Lambert. Yes, um, Mr. Eckelberger, can you just tell me when you talk about the pay plan for police and fire, um, can, you said that the plan that police, I guess that's what the police unions had talked to us about, that hadn't been vetted. Now, when you say that, um, what's the timeline on that to be vetted? And is it enough time for this budget session or no? Is that something to look at? Uh, to, to me, to me, having worked with some of these types of, of studies before, um, it's, it's going to take a number of months to get in there and look at what they're proposing, decide whether everybody thinks that's valid. Mm -hmm. Will it address the problems that need to be addressed? And if it doesn't, you've got to design a system that corrects for the deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And that all takes time. Mm -hmm. And my best estimate of that time as i've shared with the patron of this the patron well ms newble's the only one who's talked to me about this but as i've shared with ms newble who really wants this to be um october 9th because that's when everybody else are getting their increases but i do not believe you can get all the work done 
in time for October 9th, because if you get it done by September 1st and it's not, yes, do everything they said, then you've got to figure out what changes you're going to make and how you're going to implement those changes. And I think if you can get the report and get all that done by the November, December timeframe for implementation, January 1st, that that's doing good. Okay. Um, there, there are others who would probably tell you to put it off until next year. But yeah. I think you can do it in six months, but I don't know that you can do it in three or four. Yeah, and I and that's my concern, Madam President, um, because I spoke with the chief, and I'm not sure if he's available or um, the representative from the police union, um, because that those discussions need to be had more when it comes to this um, so that we're making sure we are paying our officers adequately. Um, and I'm, I'm so that's where I, I'm. That was my concern with that whole step increase sure. the payments, making sure that's clear. Thank you, Councilwoman Lambert. Um, and that was the reason I asked that we would put the study in, because we do want it to be responsive to what we've heard from our police and fire professionals that not only dealing with any internal inequity, but also external comparison with salaries of other, you know, other entities uh, in close proximity. So I want to make sure that we were providing uh, as best we could by, you know, by our uh, public safety professionals. So the study is built in there, but I felt that it hopefully could have been done sooner uh, such that we could still have the October 9th date. So we would have June, July, August, September. So that's four months. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'd have to be advised as to whether or not the study could be completed in that time frame. I mean, we're talking an additional quarter, mm -hmm. October through December. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, that yeah, was, I want to make that, sure that, we that, have that kind of was 8.9 million, and then now you're saying, um, Mr. Eckelberger, it was like 12 million because it didn't include benefits. So yeah, and and to be honest with you, the 12 million dollars is not based. It's part of this vetting process. Right. When they were right. saying 8.9 is the two million, the two year cost that you could split it half and half. Um, what they were leaving out of the benefits. You got to remember, these are all people in the Richmond Retirement System defined benefit program. Mm -hmm. And the the retirement rates almost 50 is about 50 percent mm -hmm. of salary. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the number isn't 8.9. The number I was given later was six. It could mm -hmm. be more than six. For half of for half of it, so if you if you get to to twelve million, then the first year cost is six. You've got two and a half already, so the the half year cost would be three million minus the two million five hundred thousand, so approximately five hundred thousand. And then as you can see, I've changed the screen to break out the study separately, and mm -hmm. the hundred thousand dollars would just pay for either consulting services or temporary staff in HR to actually do the compensation analysis that's necessary to figure out, is this something the city is prudent to do? Mm -hmm. um, because right now, the analogy I use is you're, you, you've, you've walked right up to the edge of a cliff mm -hmm. and you're about to make a step forward and you don't know whether that's a one foot drop or it's a hundred foot drop. Right. Yeah. Well, that was the point, uh, again, Councilwoman Lambert, um, Thank you. Of, of the study for the vetting. Um, mm -hmm. I believe Mr. Saunders' hand is up, and I can't. Uh, Mr. Saunders? 
sorry, Madam President, I needed to needed to unmute. Um, I uh, honestly, I will kind of hold off until Council's had further conversations, deliberations, where we see further where we are along as it goes to the. But I actually would just say I appreciate um, Mr. Eckelberger's comments about the importance of the the study being conducted. Um, there is a lot of unknowns um, that that needs to be considered here. Uh, one item that I actually Dr. Newbill, if, if you, President Newbill, if you would not mind me clarifying, in the, because I believe it came up at our okay. last budget hearing, and I wanted to provide okay. an answer for City Council, which is around, I believe the question was asked whether the Gallagher class and compensation adjustments for police and fire have been implemented or whether they were included or considered it as part of what is in this year's budget. I wanted to clarify that after um, you know, going back, talking with HR, confirmed that um, the Gallagher recommendations um, from the Gallagher study in 2018 were uh, implemented uh, at that time. Um, I want to say that was one of the line items I mentioned of roughly five million from a couple of years ago. Um, so the the Gallagher full Gallagher recommendations for public safety pay were were made at that time. Um, again, does not mean there's not additional need for study review, et cetera. But um, those recommendations were made then. Whereas on the general employee side, uh, we are still we implemented phase one, but have not at this point implemented phase two or three. So just want to provide Mr. that background. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. Mr. Eckelberger, do you want to get us back? Yeah, just on e echoing that, yes. echoing that that comment from from Lincoln. The the thing I want to make sure is that if city council wants to do something to modernize and improve its public safety employee compensation plan, that you know for sure what you're getting into. And that means you've got to have somebody take a, an in-depth look at this, not a couple of presentations uh, that are done more or less on the fly. I think prudence Prudence dictates that you take your time and make sure you get it right because it affects the careers and livelihoods of a large number of your public safety officers, but it involves but, millions of dollars. And Mr. Eckelberger, again, that's why the study, yes. certainly for me, building in the study was important because we do want to get it right. We hear what our public safety professionals have indicated in terms of equity issues, internal and external, and we do want to get it right. And so that's why the study is there. The only uh, difference that I've heard thus far, and we certainly haven't all agreed on this, is uh, how long it might take to conduct it. I think that's the only difference. So we still have to come back and vet that. But Councilwoman Larson. Um, thank you, Dr. Newville. So my name isn't on the police and fire amendment, but um, Dr. Newville, you know, I've reached out to you, you did. about you it. You absolutely did. And um, and that's why I didn't put in the amendment because I knew you were putting in something. Um, so just to um, wanted to put my support out there publicly. Um, but I do think this third party vetting is really important. And I think that um, having it launch on October 1 is probably really tight. If for some reason before we get to the end of the amendments, we can get confirmation that um, a third party could, could do that work in that time frame. I'm open to that discussion, but otherwise I'd feel more comfortable 
pushing the implementation to January 1st. Thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Robertson. Mr. Eckelberger, do you want to uh, take us back? Yeah, let me let me just try to close the loop on this conversation. We had one meeting with the administration, including the HR folks, um, and they they did not believe that they could do the study in in a, in a quick manner. You know, the old adage is I can give it to you quick or I can give it to you good, but I can't give it to you quick and good. And I think that applies here. It, we either take the time to know what we're doing or we rush it and may make a mistake that we would regret later. And I would encourage you to take the prudent and perhaps a little slower and more frustrating course of action and take the time to do the study and do it right, get a good answer. Um, I don't know if this money could be used to do it internally with HR, but they don't have a large comp and class staff in HR. So I think they're going to need some help, whether it's supplemental or whether it's just farm the whole thing out. But that's something that we can talk with um, over the next week to try to figure out exactly how that money would be used. And the $100,000 is not locked in stone. It might be a little bit less. It might be a little bit more. Um, that's just a number that we've seen on compensation studies in the past, and you could probably get a good one done for that money um, approximately. So that, let me go back, and um, where I was actually going to go to next is to get into a discussion of the public defender supplement, because we had all of these numbers seem to be that if you did everything the public defenders want, it would cost the 1,144,938. I think the other two amendments are just keying off of that. It's about a million. Um, that said, these are state employees who are going to get a 5% salary increase already. So anything you do to start supplementing their salaries is on top of the 5% they're already getting. And I know that this would bring them into exact conformity with the, the, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. The question is, is that something you need to do in one year or is it something that you could do over a couple of years, just like we're talking about with the police and fire thing to spread that cost over a couple of years? And you've you've got the money to in this scenario, you've got the money to do everything all at once. But then you don't have enough money to do some of the other things you want to do a little bit later. And if you do a portion of this now. It gives you more money to address some of your other priorities um, a little bit further in the scenario. So if if you guys want to discuss where you want to end up, um, anything from zero to the full dollar amount where anything from ten dollars to the full dollar amount is more than they're getting now. And you are setting the stage for Richmond being one of those handful of localities that, in fact, do supplement their their public defenders. Um, it's a, it's a new thing to be supplementing public defenders. I think the Northern Virginia uh, localities do it heavily because Northern Virginia is an entirely different world in compensation, and the state salary scales just don't play out well up there. But this is a policy okay. decision for council to discuss. It, it can be left where it, it is or it can be reduced, and that's up to you folks where you want to go. So at this point, um, until we 
decision. I think we're at least trying to do placeholders. Uh, Mr. Eckelberger. So, yes, ma'am. Um, yeah, until we get agreement, at least placeholders. And so um, I see right now, Mr. Saunders, that you have a comment relative to this item. Was there a question you were? Dr. Nebo, I guess maybe I'm trying to catch up with what process council would like for us to to, to use right now. Um, as the administration, or speaking for the administration, do have comment here and just tell me if now is the appropriate time for it. If you have comment about this item, yes, go for it. Um, so I will say that I, I echo some of the, the comments of, of of Bill on on this item. And as you know, we've said many times before, it's not uh, at all a um, concern about there being equity, uh, pay equity in regards to how public defenders are compensated compared to Commonwealth's attorney. The complication and distinction of them as state employees versus Commonwealth attorneys that are, you know, there's staff that sit as city uh, positions, um, both is, is a is a very real distinction. Uh, and if I can maybe first, I'll, I'll say the question and then have an additional comment. But the question would be, has council considered how such a supplement will be provided? It is something that we uh, have struggled with in the past, figuring out how that would work, considering that these are not our employees. We cannot add it to their payroll. Um, so that that's one phrase on it. But okay. as I said, in related to the um, whether it's the study of the pay plan, et cetera, I feel it's a duty to remind council about the unfunded obligations that we are carrying as a city from first the. Uh, clearly, obviously, the administration feels very strongly about the implementation of, of phase two of the Gallagher study. If uh, uh, implementing phase two implies that if funds were available, phase three would be our next priority. Okay. Um, uh, after that, you also have clearly the, the need for a study of um, police and fire pay. Uh, and then separately, we you, we made a lot had a lot of conversations over the last year of our obligations related to OPEP, OPEP, other okay. uh, and retirement benefits. These are promises we are making to our employees that we are not have have not currently budgeted for. Um, so I would just Thanks. provide caution for council in regards to adding this obligation at a time when we have unfunded obligations uh, on the city side. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Saunders. Uh, Councilwoman Lynch. Councilwoman, you're. Oh, I'm here. You're Sorry good. about that, Madam President. Yes. Um, and with all all respect and, and much love to my colleagues in the administration, um, I just and, and to Bill, I just want to fact check a couple of items. Um, uh, while it's true that the majority of um, localities that have implemented pay parity per the legislation that was passed two sessions ago are in Northern Virginia. Um, it is not true that the only localities that have implemented uh, this pay parity are in Northern Virginia. And it is not true that they did so because of a that cost of living um, situate uh, cost of living adjustment. It was done in the cities of Charlottesville and the county of Albemarle and soon to be in several of our sister cities in the Tidewater region um, because it's the right thing to do and because our public defenders, while they are state-funded um, employees, just like Commonwealth's, defend, uh, Commonwealth's attorney offices, um, 
they are um, responsible ultimately, and, and they are the last line of defense for many of our most disenfranchised community members um, getting filtered into the incarceration system. Um, and so having an adequately funded um, uh, public defender's office is an equity issue, and that's why other localities have chosen to pursue this. I just want to remind folks that our public defenders start off at a starting salary of $46,000 a year, um, and that our um, own general fund revenue for over a decade has been going to supplement the salaries of the Commonwealth's attorney. And while it may be true that the Commonwealth's attorney is a constitutionally mandated office and we've asked them to do things like prosecute misdemeanors, which you know, kind of takes away more of their staff time or requires more, more of their staff time, um, I think it's hard to justify uh, the fact that we are padding their salaries so that so much so that they are making almost double of what our public defenders are. Um, and, and we have created that disparity over the years. We created that disparity not because um, of their constitutionally mandated duties. We created it because of the argument that we would have safer communities, and I put that in air quotes, safer communities by um, having uh, uh, more competitive salaries and higher paid prosecutors in the prosecutor's office. But really, I think most of us can agree that's created disparities at the local level that we see across the nation in more of our disenfranchised communities, particularly communities of color, seeing the jail cell at higher rates than folks that can afford to have their own public, can afford to get an attorney and pay their way out of a charge. So um, I think that, you know, this measure is in line with what other localities have done all across the Commonwealth, not just in Northern Virginia. Um, and it's something that we have um, precedent for um, in our legislation. This is not going to be a slippery slope where every other state, quasi-state um, funded employee could come and, and ask for increases because it is not allowed in the Virginia Code. The only um, state salary increases that we can supplement legally are those that have put in legislation, and that is the Commonwealth Attorney's Office and the Public Defender's Office two sessions ago. Yeah. So um, I just want to lay those, those, um, those, put those facts out there for folks because we have heard some um, uh, of the, the, these other um, points being raised, and I wanted to put those to rest. Sure. Madam Thank President, you very much. And there's also been a uh, document provided by the Commonwealth's Attorney's Office as well, and many of us had presentations from the Public Defender's um, Office early on. So just to remind you of those, both of those. I heard a voice, but I don't see a hand. Okay. Okay. Ms. McEachin, yes. 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 Thank you for um, letting me speak. Good afternoon, council members and everyone else who's listening. I just want to um, clarify the position of the Commonwealth's attorney on the proposed decreases. Um, obviously, I support equitable funding for the public defender's office, but that it, it is not appropriate for uh, that money to be removed from the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. That, in effect, would be robbing Peter to pay Paul, and I don't think that is part of the equitable agenda that the city of Richmond um, is supporting and that our office supports. <clears throat> the 
constitutional requirements of a constant of the Commonwealth Attorney's Office um, are set out in statute, and there are a number of specific statutory things that we need to do that the Public Defender's Office does not. Um, obviously, we do a lot of investigations of local um, local officials. Uh, we are responsible for uh, creating and maintaining a sexual assault uh, multidisciplinary team uh, for the whole region and also one for sexual assault for uh, adults and for, ch- and for children. Um, in addition, other than the public defender, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office is the office that has the highest duty to make sure that the constitutional protections that we are all entitled to are fulfilled. We are the ones who are the back checkers and the, the, the point of, of, of checks and balances uh, against uh, police brutality, against um, the police not providing information or discovery to us so that we can provide it to defense counsel. We are the ones who make sure that search warrants are appropriate and validated. There's a whole checklist of things that Commonwealth attorneys do that public defenders do not. I do not say that to say that public defenders' roles are not necessary or crucial to the criminal justice system because they are. There does have to be a check and balance. But the funding for the public defender's office should not leave the victims of crime and other members of the community in a less protected situation than they are now. And that is what my fear is if we are not, uh, if the uh, money is taken from our budget. So I just want to clarify the negative impact that that would have on the experience that we have at at the Commonwealth Attorney's Office and the need for that experience to be used to protect victims and those who are charged with crimes in the city of Richmond. Thank you, um, Ms. McEachin. Councilwoman Lynch. Thank you. And just, I I would um, point out that our, the budget proposal that we're discussing um, now does not include uh, the, the, the funding for public defenders is coming out of um, the uh, pr- um, predicted revenues that we're getting, additional revenues that we will be receiving from our city assessor. Um, so, that, so there is no um, reduction to the Commonwealth attorney in this, in the budget proposal that is before you now. That's uh, correct. Th- yes. th- that, that is correct. So that's just a point of clarification. Um, but um, not to address point for point um, with no, my no, friend and colleague, um, uh, the Commonwealth's attorney, um, but just to reiterate that public defenders, too, have duties that and, and have to go above and beyond um, what uh, and, and have requirements and, and things that they um, are doing for our community members that they are severely undercompensated for um they help uh, their social workers as well as public defenders and so the work that they do in that office um, for our most vulnerable community members is absolutely crucial and it's crime prevention um just as much as uh, uh i would say even more so um 
um, we are not, it is crime prevention in our communities and keeping our communities safe because we are helping those citizens um, in a truly uh, restorative justice model. And so um, just wanted to point out though that our budget Absolutely. proposal on the table now is not coming straight from the Commonwealth Attorney. That's correct. Thank you for that uh, additional comment and clarification. Mr. Eckelberger, I'm going to press you because we have a long way to go and we have categories we haven't gotten to that we're going to uh, have to focus on. We don't have consent. So if you would continue so that we can uh, at least get to a place that we have something to come back to uh, uh, in terms of our next session and make some decisions about. Oh, so we have categories we have not gotten to. Uh, because Ms. Lynch made the only point that, that I was going to make and that the scenario we're trying to work through right now does as little in the way of cuts that might be viewed as harmful to actual essential city services. The only cuts that you're actually looking at are the optional contributions to charitable organizations, and they are all treated fairly at 10%. Um, that's giving you the money that we're working with, and hopefully we'll get certification on the, the additional assessment monies to help us go through. Now, going through some of these others, because right now, if you fund it at the level that we're talking about for these things, there's 209,000 that you can move back up into this block that's affordable housing and other housing services. So let's go back down now well, let's go to the Civilian Review Board because we haven't talked about the Civilian Review Board. The numbers I got were 579.050, and I think that's the full year cost. But from my conversations with folks, they will not be ready to, to ramp this office up on July 1st. So there's something less than that that would be necessary. The 250,000 number is what we're going with at the moment. But the 204 number was worked up by um, Councilmember Lynch's office. So, and I think that's been based on some conversations with some folks who are actually working in the field. Yeah, on this Bill, if, if we could, before you misspeak, if you could allow Councilperson Lynch uh, to discuss how she got to her number. My number was based Thanks. on a half year, not a full year. Okay. First and foremost. And so, if you could allow. Uh, uh, the patron of that particular one to speak to that, we can we, we can get a definitive response of what that is. Yeah, that's exactly okay. where I was going. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. James, James, are you on my phone? Mr. Jones, are you on by phone? Oh, okay, I see. All right, thank you. Um, Councilwoman we need Lynch. to see your face, Councilmember Jess. <laughs> No, I couldn't. I didn't. I couldn't see. I'm looking for a hand signal, you know, and I wasn't seeing. So I thought maybe you were on by phone. Councilwoman Lynch, any comment? Thank you, and thank you to my colleague, Councilmember Jones. Um, the Civilian Review Board Task Force um, met, I, I think, a total of four, just four times, in and in, in, in an impressive effort to get a, a couple of different recommendations regarding their budget, their operating budget, to us um, in a timely fashion before we began budget deliberations. They presented several options. Um, one was an option that would um, uh, kind of give them one to, one to two staff members and, and get them enough staff members to get up and started um, with the understanding that 
that um, those those staffing needs and, and that that full implementation may not come until uh, sometime later in the fiscal year. So this budget really reflects that um, latter option that they shared with us with the understanding that um, it is likely that it will take a little bit longer for the civilian review board itself to get stood up and therefore the cost um, uh, does not reflect a full full operating budget year um, and also takes into account that you know while they're kind of figuring out their own um, structure there may not be a need for you know six uh, staff members so I think Mike uh, I'm sorry council member Jones budget item reflects um, their um, third one of their recommendations out of three but their third um, recommendation which was a scenario that in which there is a fully autonomous operational civilian review board and that was the, the their total budget for, for that scenario thank you any further um, discussion relative to that item mr eckelberger you are going to um, you were going to further discuss that to try to get to a number that you th tell me if you would proceed. I don't want to uh, presume. Mr. Eckelberger, you're muted. I'm sorry. Um, one of the one of the charms of virtual meetings. Uh, I'm I was using the two hundred fifty thousand dollars as a placeholder to come back for this discussion and. Ms. Lynch makes the case that the 204-199 is, is a more accurate number based on discussions with the, the folks who are actually working on this. I, you know, my recommendation is that you would go with that number. But um, again, as a placeholder, and you get to the end, if you've got more money and this is where you want to put it, you could come back to put it there. Um, but um, that seems to be a number that's actually been developed based on some staff work. Um, and the $250,000 number is just an approximation, and it's the one that I've been using here for a placeholder, but I would, what I would do for this scenario, again, is go with the 204, so I would put a zero there and go with 204 for that, and what that does is it makes your residual down here a little bit bigger. Now, what I want to do now is go and through. And Mr. Eckelberger, I just want to say my 250 was based on not direct discussion, but a, a secondary discussion about where the uh, task force is and where it might be. And that I approximated that cost because I had a different amount until I had a conversation that suggested that they wouldn't need the full amount, but a lesser amount. And so that was my projection. So I'm certainly willing to defer to something that we have more direct information about. And, and perhaps by the next meeting, that number will need to change away from 204 to some different number, right. you know, okay. perhaps higher. But for the moment, just to get through this scenario and we're, running close to the end of time for today. Um, but if we go down here and look at some of these items that we really haven't discussed yet, um, we've got a number. There's the participatory budgeting process uh, for $100,000. There's $350,000 for funding for a consultant 
uh, services and staff to rewrite the city's zoning ordinance to comply or to better mesh with the Richmond 300 comprehensive plan. There's 20,000 for sister cities that would be on top of the 10,000 that's in there right now. There's an increased funding for recreation for youth in parks. That's 580,000. There's the funding for uh, frozen FTEs in planning and development review that we discussed earlier. There's um, 150,000 for photo speed ticketing equipment and a contract for the police department. And then under miscellaneous other, they're just a couple of non-departmentals. One is for Hull Street Business Association litter cleanup and the other is Girls for Change, 12,500. They have money in non-departmental this year. For some reason, they got left out of non-departmental in the FY22 proposed, and this would put back uh, a portion of what they they actually got this year. Um, I think this year somebody told me they got 15 or something like that. But um, that's correct. Those are the items that that we should probably start discussing today and wrap up when we first get started uh, on um, today's Wednesday, so Monday. <laughs> Mr. Eckelberger, we have uh, nine minutes to the end of the session. So when you say start discussing, tell me what you mean there. Because um, we still have affordable housing. Uh, oh, well, affordable housing, we're coming back to. We, we're coming okay. back to affordable housing. Okay. Don't, don't, don't think I've forgotten affordable housing. I haven't. Okay. Um, uh, before we go here, then, I have Councilwoman Robertson. Did you have a question? Uh, I'm willing to, I want to hear what, what he has to say about affordable okay. housing, but I also want a detailed list of the organizations in the non-departmental that are being proposed to be cut at 10%. Or, okay. I, I, I mean, we don't, I don't have the, I want to make sure I know that I have the name of the organization, how much money there's in the budget for them, what we are proposing to cut for them a separate list so that I can look at that clearly. Thank you. Okay. That one's easy. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Eckelberger. And again, um, I'm, I'm not sure how much of this will get through. So um, I know we have affordable housing for Monday, and then we may have a section of this. But if you go on and proceed, we'll get as far as we can till we, three. We can start um, with the um, – the um, $100,000 for participatory budgeting. Uh, this is something that I know that Council Member Addison has advocated for some time, as have some other council members. So I would defer to him to give a brief explanation, given the seven minutes we've got left, of the the purpose and why $100,000 instead of some other number. Okay. Yes, Councilwoman Robertson. I am really concerned that and yep. I appreciate that, you know, um, we have a big part of money that's coming that can easily be addressed. We've addressed some of the big items in this budget, and I do think that it's important that we at least have some sense of what this scenario is as it relates to affordable housing from. Sure, uh, absolutely. Uh, Eckerberg, if he would be kind enough to share that. Before well, we get down to the hundred and three hundred and those kind of dollars, which we could probably figure out once we close get closer to a balanced budget. Right now, yes, Mr. Eckelberger. Right, right now, 
Um, to answer the question, under this scenario, there's $255,000, almost $256,000 left that could be allocated back to other priorities, including affordable housing. What I want to do, and we've got like three minutes left, so what I want to do is just a quick recap of what we've gone over today in trying to work through a scenario. You have done everything you wanted to do for your council agencies. There's nobody else looking after them, so you've done everything that council agencies ask you to do for them under this scenario. You have done the pay plan as you discussed it with this alternative in the meeting on Monday. You have gotten started on the police and fire pay plan, including a study to comprehensively look at their the way they're, comp, they're compensated and move forward on that. You have got the full amount in for public defenders supplements. You've got um, the civilian review board at the amount that was articulated as being needed. And now we're about to move into these other things. And affordable housing is the one that could take up all of your money. So what I'd like to do is instead of talking numbers in the 6 million, 4 million, 3 million, 2 million range, that we, we come back to those after we know what the other priorities for council members are, because I think affordable housing is shared by everyone as a priority. And we take a look at these other things that are smaller and then decide what you're going to do. And that gives you the baseline to start your real discussions on Monday uh, as to where you want this budget to end up. Mr. Eckelberger, let me just be clear. The items that you have in, I guess that's lavender. Those are already taken into consideration in terms of the total at the bottom. Is that correct? That is correct. Right now, okay. if and you so, did all of these at the amounts asked for, then you've got 255000 left over if you did everything else at the amounts asked for. But you okay, don't necessarily so, have to do all these at this level, and you don't have to do everything that's above at that level. But this is the okay. baseline to start your discussion of moving money around between okay. your priorities. Got you. Okay, and so I think that that's probably as far as we're going to get, but I want to get the council members who have their hands up and then be clear about what we're coming to in terms of affordable housing and the uh, other city service category on Monday. So Councilwoman uh, Robertson and then Councilman Jones and then Mr. Eckelberger, I'm going to ask you to wrap us up and talk about the next step for Monday. Councilwoman Robertson. So, first of all, let me thank uh, Bill for providing us with a scenario um, and the work that is being done uh, to give us something to at least start having some meaningful conversation about. I am quite disappointed that for the level of request uh, amendments that have come into this budget for affordable housing, and I recognize that it is a big ticket item. Uh, but I also recognize that it is a major, major need for the city of Richmond. Um, and just as I strongly support the Gallagher study and our general uh, staff that each year I have attempted to put an amendment into the budget 
to give our general staff uh, greater compensation uh, without much success at all. I'm grateful that we don't have to have that battle that is coming to us in the budget this year. Um, but I, I, and as whereas I, and I am concerned about what we're doing with police and still need some clarification of how do we deal with the money that is already there fitting into a plan or fitting into the next phase of the Gallagher study implementation, which I'm still seeking some clarity on that. But it is a little bit um, unnerving for me to recognize the fact that for as many amendments that we have for affordable housing, we are pretty much looking at a scenario at the present time that takes us down to a surplus of looks like a possibility of a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, without any indication whatsoever as it relates to affordable housing. And it sends a wrong message to the people that are on this call that uh, where is where the city priorities are and whereas we have strongly indicated that this is a priority, we're taking everything else into consideration up front. So I'm still waiting. I'm okay. willing to wait a little bit longer. But I must say that I'm a little dis, uh, disturbed by the fact that uh, we haven't made affordable housing a, a priority in this scenario. Okay, Councilman Jones. Yes, ma'am, Madam President. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right. Um, I'm with my colleague from the 6th. Um, and, and let me just, let me just couch it with, 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 with this piece. Councilperson Lambert asked for and, and, and wondered where our priority list coming out of, um, coming out of our retreat is. We should not be doing a budget without being, with that, without that being at the forefront and allowing that document and the work that we've already done to continue to inform this process. We have 10, roughly 10.4, almost $10.5 million um, that, that, that's been identified. We can fund um, affordable housing right now. We could do that today. We, 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 we could. With, with the money that's, that, that's there, I don't know if we could scroll some of that down. Thank you, right there. So with everything that's listed up, council agencies aside, compensation of general employees, you need to do a study on that uh, uh, for police and fire. Scroll back up or scroll back down for me, whoever has control of that. With all of that being said and done, we could handle affordable housing today and be done with it and figure out some of these other items that are important but may not have the same level of importance as the creation of affordable housing. And so, you know, and that, that that's without us even looking at any of the other cuts to the, uh, uh, the administration, the increases uh, that I suggested. I just wanted to make sure that we had a conversation around affordable housing. And we have the monies to do that today, to sit up and say, you know what, affordable housing trust fund coming up out of a pandemic. I I literally just got off of a phone call with someone who is in dire straits and we found funding, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to assist someone from keep, to keep from getting evicted. 
and they're on a fixed income. These these are not just stories that we read about or that, you know, someone is contriving in, you know, in the back of their mind to try and put out. These are things that are happening in our district. We have a housing crisis in the city of Richmond. And as prices and, and home prices are skyrocketing in the city, there are so few places for people who work in the city to actually live in this city. And so we have an opportunity. I'm, I'm done after this, Madam President, right. where we could solve that 5.9, 5.5, 5.99, 0836. We could solve that today, right here, right now, today, and then work on some of these other services. Because Thank for you. me, oh, housing sorry. is the first. When we talk about some, you know, you know, you know, hierarchy of needs, food and clothing and shelter are the are the main ones. Everything else, hey, it comes as it comes. And so we have an opportunity where we can make a decision as a council to take care of the real needs of individuals in this city and to do the right thing coming up out of the pandemic versus just pushing it off to Monday. So. Number one, this was not to be the this was the beginning of our amendment session, Mr. Jones. You can see from those of us who have put in amendment and those who didn't because they knew others were putting them in that housing is a priority. I think there there is no confusing that. And so well, for me, well, it's I mean, just but, a matter but, but, but of looking at. I would argue that, that, I, I would argue that, yeah. that we have. So, it's a priority so of everyone. I, I understand. And so working with our staff. Working, working with our staff and having a process was what Mr. Ackerberger was trying to have us work through. This is not off the table. We are not complete. This is just the first session. We still have to get consensus. We're not all. These are not all final decisioning. It was a way to get started with the discussion. You can see. So I just want to put that out. And I want to go to Ms. Lynch, Ms. Trammell, and then talk about the path forward. Thank you. Um, and, and as you know, Councilmember Jones and I um, both made, as has every other council colleague, made public commitments um, about the affordable housing, the $10 million annually. We all signed on to a resolution. And so I know all of us are committed to that. Um, what um, here, here's here's one thing that strikes me. This is a great opportunity because we're all in alignment that we want to see $10 million go to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Um, that $10 million will hit our bank account quicker in the American Rescue Plan, the local recovery fund, um, to the tune of about $100 million that we're getting. We're all going to have to have co consensus between the administration and the council body of where those dollars are directed. That sounds like a great um, uh, starting point for us. And my uh, hope is that we can go ahead, as soon as that's deposited in our bank account um, in mid-May, we can go ahead and transfer that um, uh, funding, at least $10 million of it, just go ahead and get that out of the way through the American Rescue, uh, through those local recovery dollars into our affordable housing trust fund and, and get started. And guess what? We won't have to wait until um, July 1st in the new fiscal year. We'll get it sooner into the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Um, and ongoing, um, we we um, have to honor the resolution and ensure that there is 
a dedicated pot of revenue that goes into our general fund for our affordable housing trust fund every year. Um, I, I believe that we will have a, um, a surplus this year and that it is our duty to, to ensure that we are following the spirit of that resolution and, um, and make sure that we have that dedicated pot of funding carved out from the um, abatement program as, as council member Robertson and so many others on this body have uh, collaborated on um, and, and make sure that we have that ongoing. But the, the, we're about to get a tranche of $100 million. Um, it is an incredible opportunity and the budget that you have before you is using very precious general fund revenue that you will not be able to use um, uh, uh, ARP funding for. Um, so it just makes the most sense to use our ARP or maximize our dollars with our um, um, recovery fund dollars and um, use that for the affordable housing trust fund. It'll get in our bank account quicker than this budget um, uh, any of the monies from this budget would. Thank you, Councilwoman Lynch. And I would just uh, remind us that we have the ARP money coming that will impact housing as well as homelessness uh, services that we'll be able to address. And so I'll go quickly, Councilwoman Trammell, uh, Councilwoman Jordan, and then Councilwoman Robertson. Thank you, Madam President. I know that um, for the past 18 years that I've been on council, I know that um, Vice President Ellen Robertson, this has been you know, she's always talked, spoke about affordable housing. She's always pushed for this. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of, when I'm out in the district, not only in the 8th district, but all of the city, you see so many people that are homeless, um, some by choice, some by, you know, by not their own fault. But if we can get affordable housing, you know, for the citizens in the Richmond area, this would be good. But I want to make sure, and I know the Vice President Ellen Robertson knows that public safety is always, you know, it's, it's always out front for me because if we don't feel safe, we don't feel protected, then people are not going to stay in the city, they're not going to live here, and they're not going to spend their money here. And that's, we need, we need every tax dollar we can get. And we keep talking about this $150 million that's coming in here. You wouldn't believe how many people, and I know all of you are probably getting the same calls, you got this kind of money, we want this, we want that. They have to realize that $150 million can't go for certain things. I'm quite sure it's going to be earmarked for things that that money can go for. And I can only imagine when that money comes in, we're going to be the bad people. We're going to be the ones that's going to get blamed because they didn't get funded for this. They didn't get the funding for that. Um, that's why I want to make sure all this stuff up here that it definitely is in the budget that it gets, you know, that it gets funded because we don't know how it could come down to the last minute. You can't spend the money for this or that. We don't know. We don't have a we don't have a chart of it. But I want to make okay. that clear. These are very, very important things. And I appreciate my colleagues, you know, for standing behind police and fire. And also Chip Decker got cut a million dollars. And this we, we're still in COVID. We still you know, we're still in a crisis with that. And we got to look at that, too. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Thank you, um, Councilwoman Trammell. Uh, I think Councilwoman Jordan Robertson, and then we need to wrap up and talk about what we will look at for Monday, uh, uh, starting with these two categories here. Okay. Councilwoman Thank you, Madam Jordan. President. Yes. Yeah. 
Just quickly, um, I appreciate the work that my colleagues have put into this and agree with Councilmember Lynch that, you know, we have to look at what pots of money we can use for what. And if, um, you know, affordable housing is something uniquely qualified under the ARP funding, um, I would, I would, I value her opinion on that. Um, and then, but equally, if we are going to be getting that money in May, we have got to figure out what some better guardrails for the um, affordable housing trust fund because all those units that went to 80% AMI, I mean, that built market rate housing. So we, I think also equally need to give some attention to um, revisiting the parameters of the trust fund. And then I look forward to continuing this conversation because I did um, intentionally want to cut the, um, the fleet, that $1 million um, fleet freezing, because my understanding is that there is a comprehensive fleet plan coming in September. So um, I just, you know, FYI, um, I, I'm not looking to lose that. Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Robertson, you're muted. All right, thank you. It's a long day, uh, Bill. You've done a great job in putting together the scenario. Um, but, you know, and I, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, and I agree um, that the, the funding that we're going to be getting that's coming in is one-time funding. And it's going to be controlled as to what we can do with that ARP money. Uh, and I think it's going to be extremely important that we make critical investments uh, for things that we would not otherwise be able to do that we can pay for uh, uh, with good investments um, to cover some of the gaps that we have, even in our affordable housing. You know, we've been talking about shelters and need for special housing for those with mental illness and so forth. You know, some of those kinds of things are opportunities that we hope that we'll be able to use some of these funds for. Um, but it's also important that we do not uh, neglect to face our priorities of the city and use our general fund revenue to be responsive to our obligations that we have every year that our taxpayers' dollars have made priorities through us for the city of Richmond. And yes, it does include taking care of our employees. This is this is an embarrassment to have as many employees working for us and we go down the scale from the past 10 years plus, and we've not done, uh, we've not given them any consideration whatsoever. It's past due, and it must be done. It, um, yes, we want to make sure that we are a competitive workforce, and we want to take the time to fully understand what the police is asking for, and we do want to make sure that our police and public safety fire is well taken care of, and that they are paid for out of our general fund budget as an obligation and a commitment to our staff. We can't get nothing done without the adequate staff. We just was told that we don't hire the, the most experienced people because we don't pay them. And we have high turnover because we don't pay them. So 
Foolish on our part if we don't think the general fund is needed for that. And foolish on our part if we think that we're going to sustain and get over this crisis of affordable housing by only depending on one-time funding that's coming in uh, through the ARP. It's not the priority. That is a priority of the city. We talk about it all the time. We spend hours, hours talking about the situation, the condition that people are living in because not because they are mentally ill, not because they're addicted, not because they don't have a job. They have good health. They're sane people. They can't afford to live in the city of Richmond. And we need affordable housing to make that possible. And we cannot let that be just uh, a one-time funding to to cover our gap. We need a sustainable funded source for this affordable housing trust fund. And I am disappointed that it's not calculated in this scenario and realize this is only not- a scenario. And it's just the first session um, as well, but I do hear well, the concern, I think it and should I think be we're in the committed. First session. I don't think we're it should committed. be left out of the first session is what I'm saying. I hear you. Okay. Councilwoman Lambert, um, Councilwoman Lynch, and I really am going to close out because I know that we, others have uh, other I, obligations. Two seconds, Madam President. Yes. I just want to shout out Bill. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much for all the hard work and all the city council staff. You guys keep us informed. So I just want to give you all a shout out because I know this isn't easy, but thank you. Thank you, Councilwoman Lambert. Councilwoman Lynch. Um, Yeah, I just just want to um, celebrate this moment because it seems like we are all in violent agreement, uh, which really happens. Um, I'm hearing that, yes, we want to fund um, affordable housing that we can Absolutely. There's multiple avenues to do that. I think the ARP allows us to fund fully fund with the $10 million. Um, it also seems like there's an appetite perhaps to go back and amend the original uh, resolution that was put forward, which um, just as a reminder, that original resolution was one time funding annually um, and did not give us the solid promise of a dedicated it, it, it essentially carved out a dedicated stream, but it was still one-time um, funding annually. And it sounds like that might be an avenue for us to explore. And it, it sounds like we're all agreeing. Um, and I think that that is a, a great thing and will hopefully help us expedite getting um, when those other when that other pot of money hits, that'll hopefully help us expedite um, that funding getting into that uh, into the affordable housing trust fund. Um, and it's absolutely critical. Thank you, Councilwoman Lynch. Uh, Mr. Eckelberger, I'm now going to come back to you so that we can talk about next step, which will be our next session, and the focus on those uh, last categories and then any final things before we adjourn. Well, this, the, the next step on Monday is to try to get well, not try, is to get to resolution on the operating budget because you've only got one more budget work session on Wednesday of next week, and that has to be dedicated to capital. And you need to finish both the capital and operating budgets so that we can turn the documents over to the city attorney, and the city attorney can get all of the things in proper legal order in order for you to pass the budget on the schedule that's been adopted. 
that that said, Monday should be sufficient time to get through the operating budget. I think this is an amazing amount of work that got discussed today. And it was discussed, and those of you who have been here for a long time have seen it, where there's been hours of discussion on $5,000 items that don't really, they're not high priorities. And this year you've discussed the big ticket items and what you really want to spend the money on. And I am very happy with that from a professional staff capacity. I would like to point out just two little things that this $10.7 million that we've identified so far from the scenario that I went over, that 10.7 is 4.8 or 4.9 million more than what the budget had in for compensation. They had 5.8. Your compensation program now is 7.3. That includes the additional money for police and fire, and it includes the 1.1 million for public defenders. So you don't really have the whole 4.9 to spend on other things. You've already, this scenario would already allocate um, about a 1.5 million more, 1.7 million more actually, to police and fire and public defenders. And those are some items that if you want to stay within the 5.8 million between now and Monday, think about which of these compensation items that take you above the 5.8 that you would like to reduce. And if not, then how would you like to handle the rest of getting through this scenario? And that's the topic for discussion on Monday. Thank you, Mr. Eckerberg. Look forward to it. So you will send this information, the sheet out to everyone. The, uh, in, the worksheet here? Yes, in preparation. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. Okay. I'll and send it exactly as it exists right now. That's correct. And we will sure. be prepared to move forward with further discussion based on your comments and based on the additional areas that we need to vet and make decision about. Yes. With that, unless there is – Ms. Robertson, is there a last – Okay, so I was about to say, unless there is a last comment, then we will proceed uh, with this on Monday. We will also make sure we get the uh, coming out of the retreat, Ms. Lambert, the items you raised. There were some other items uh, that members asked for in terms of non-departmental um, itemization. So, Bill, hopefully you and staff have those and we can get that to staff by Monday. Um, thank you. Bill Sampson and all of our chief, uh, you know, our council chief of staff office staff who've worked on this. Um, it, it's been a major investment and thank you for your efforts here. We still have a long way to go, but we've made progress and I look uh, forward to seeing everyone um, back on Monday's session. I believe we will start. Is that one o'clock? Uh, yes. Yes, ma'am. That's one o'clock. Okay. And Councilwoman Robertson, did you have yes, a last? I, just my last comment. Um, the information that we had today with the scenario was new information that we were looking at, and I appreciate part of it was a worksheet. Um, but if we can get information in advance of meetings, it kind of helps us to be able to follow along and get appreciation sure. for the full uh, presentation that we will receive. And I think that would be helpful okay. to the extent that we can do that for Monday as, as a prep, uh, that we all can spend some time, uh, preparing for 
Monday, and I see that uh, Mr. Samuels also has his hand up as well. Thank you. Mr. Who? I'm sorry. Lincoln. I, I saw, thought I saw Lincoln's hand. I, okay. I don't see your hand up, but Miss uh, um, Reed? Mr. Saunders. Okay, I don't see the hand uh, at this point, so I'm going to make the assumption that Mr. Saunders, you have a, is that? Let him talk. I can't, Mr. Saunders? I, I, yes, you have a Madam, quick Madam comment. President, Ms. Ms. Robinson is right, my hand was raised. I do believe it was lowered, um, oh, okay. et cetera, and then I couldn't um, by the, by the uh, controllers. Um, so anyways, I, I guess, I will say, um, perhaps I just need to follow offline. I, I didn't exactly follow Mr. Uggleberger's comments about where we were with regards to the various compensation plans and how they okay. add up. So I'm just looking to kind of get a sense, okay. not necessarily now, but as we go into Monday, kind of where council is in regards to the, um, or I guess th this is helpful to see the 3.25 in the pay plan is what's in the in the gray. So I, I think okay. I understand a little bit better now, but okay. how that deducted from the 10 million bill. Maybe I'll just follow up with you offline to understand. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for the extra time. I'm, I apologize. We have gone over a little, but, you know, budget sessions uh, and uh, have taken a little more extra time. So thank you for the indulgence. With that, members, the Richmond City Council's budget session now stands adjourned. Have a great rest of the day.